Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello and welcome back to episode 53, or 52 and a half, you might say, of the <laughs> Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. And today, in the second half of our birthday present to you, our listeners, well, second birthday present to you, our listeners, is the second half of our Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart episode. Today, talking entirely about his music, specifically the Divertimento in F, K number 138. So the divertimento as a genre is something that we haven't really talked about on this podcast before. I thought it'd be fun to go into what exactly is the purpose of this piece of music. So a divertimento is really pretty easy to explain. It's a diversion, and that means it's written for some sort of soiree, like a dinner or gala or whatnot, and it's kind of meant to be like the light dinner jazz of our modern era. Just add a couple saxophones, there's absolutely no difference. <laughs> Now, the keywords here are meant to be. So I am of the opinion that this and most of the rest of Mozart's output has high merit and therefore is worthy of close listening and enjoyment rather than just being background music. So as we discussed last week, Mozart's character was that of a playful youth, since that's what he was for most of his life. And that particularly applies to this divertimento, as he wrote it when he was only 15 years old. He just returned from Italy, where he had been praised as a musical genius, so it's a safe guess that he was a bit full of himself. <laughs> Interestingly, the title of Divertimento on the manuscript for this piece and a few other works in Mozart's catalog are not written in his handwriting. This suggests that Mozart didn't really have a plan for this piece to be background music, but rather was just experimenting with composition, and it sort of fell into the role. Someone else, perhaps his father or another teacher, probably came along and found the piece and titled it Divertimento based on maybe a necessity at the moment. However, it could just as easily have been a string quartet, though with slightly unusual instrumentation as it calls for bass rather than cello, with the outlook that Mozart probably wanted his music to be interesting and popular in the times. Let's take a closer look at what makes this a pretty cool piece. And we'll spend the most time with the first of the three movements, marked Allegro. So it starts off with an introduction, which I believe is the weakest part of the movement as everyone's just playing a major chord in unison. However, things quickly turn around, and this piece is written in a quasi-sonata allegro form with a few modifications. Mozart's first theme of the introduction section is wonderful, and we'll just have to break down each part to see why. Of course, there's the melody in the highest voice of the first violins. And this melody only spans a third, and its first phrase ends on tonic. However, the next phrase begins with a leap of a sixth, which is a very large leap for any piece of music. However, this interval from tonic to sticks has a very inspirational sound to it, so think like Chariots of Fire as it gets into the second theme, or even the ending of also Sfrock Zarathustra. And finally, this melody ends with a flourish that spans an octave and a half, 
landing squarely on tonic, which is always pleasing. The second violin part does not have the main melody, but it actually has an active counter melody. And while the first violins have half notes and dotted quarters for a good portion, the second violins are all moving around with 16th and fast moving 8th notes. And this counter melody also helps disguise the F major key we're in by making its flourishes sound more in the key of D minor, the relative minor key of F major. And finally, we come to the viola and bass lines, which for now are regrettably in unison octaves. However, what they are playing is a constant and steady string of eighth notes, which really helps to drive the more sustained melody forward. And it's also kind of reminiscent of the background of Chariots of Fire again. <laughs> of course, once we get to the ending flourish, the viola and bass do break off to make some chords, and the bass really drops as we get moving to time. So when you listen to all of this together, all the different and special layers, you can really appreciate the care that went into its composition and begin to see that this music was meant to mean more than just a nice background. Also, Mozart knew his flourish at the end was catchy, so in the next phrase he doesn't start in a new melody, but just lets us hear that again. The next theme of the introduction is interesting because the first violins are just playing quarter note arpeggiations. However, they're doing so by jumping octaves. And as a result, we sort of lose their line. But we get to hear the second violins power through with a rising 16th note figure. And this gives the music a real peeling back of the layers feel that is reminiscent of the Baroque era, like some of the Brandenburg concerti. And then there is a final theme to this section, which is the most basic, quote, classical era theme of the three. This classical sound is due in part to the articulation of the eighth note groupings. They are written in such a way that it is imperative that performers stress the first note and let up a little on the second note, which is a very classical style. And it's kind of the first time in this piece we actually get a chance to explore that technique. And also, the ending phrase of this theme is really reminiscent of Mozart's famous Eine kleine Nachtmusik Serenade, which was meant to serve sort of the same purpose that a divertimento does. After that whole section repeats, being in Sonata Allegra form, we now move into the development section, where Mozart expounds upon the first theme. We have the same first violin long note melody with minor alterations. However, as it is the development, we are obligated to travel to distant keys, so we begin normal enough in the key of C, which is the fifth of F. From there, we go to G minor, the minor fifth of C. Then we find ourselves in B flat minor, the third of G, and then by way of diminished chord, we make our way back to C major. 
which by now sounds completely foreign. However, being in C, it lets us slide right back into our friendly F major that we've come to know and love through the piece's introduction. And then that's it for the development. Mozart heralds us back home with his rather boring introduction from before. Hey, he wrote this when he was, what, 14? 15. Don't throw some shade. <laughs> but then he launches back into his original inspirational power jam. But this time it's not all the same. As we get to the end of the movement, Mozart himself breaks it down. Before we had the sign eighth notes in the Nacht music style. But now we have Fortissimo's staccato eighth notes played in unison. This serves to give the listener a heads up that the end is coming, but also seems like Mozart is being cheeky about the ends of his little phrases. After one more big repeat that goes back to the development section, this movement finishes out with a very well-balanced set of tonic chords. We're not going to go as in-depth with the second movement, titled Andante, but we will outline some key excerpts. This movement, although slower being Andante, is still full of passion and drama reminiscent of his operatic writing. This movement is full of foreboding bass and powerful violin flourishes. Mozart also does some interesting writing throughout this movement that explores the sound of pitches moving in opposite directions, so the sound almost seems to open up. So he does this a lot with longer notes, but in this section he has the viola and bass leading the charge with some 16th notes. So you can hear the viola line moves upward while the bass line moves downward. The third and final movement of this piece is marked presto, and it comes in rondo form, which is the popular returning theme form that closed many classical compositions. The theme that we return back to is joyous and a bit confusing at first. A big idea that Mozart seemed to have in mind for this movement is passing the melody throughout the ensemble, and as a result, the 16th notes heard in the melody are passed along from the first to the second violins to the viola. Now, a few of the other themes heard throughout this movement actually take this to an extreme level with a technique known as hocket melody. Now, this is where the melody passing happens in a somewhat random place in the melody and can go to such extremes as each note being isolated to a different instrument. Taken to this sort of extreme, it's more of a modern technique, and Mozart doesn't quite take it that far, but you can definitely hear how disjointed it sounds. And he also does his break it down technique again in this movement with staccato eighth notes that easily could have been more legato or even just one long note but instead, he's written two short notes.
interestingly, for all the drama and fun Mozart builds into the rest of the piece, this final movement ends not with any grand finale, but just the rondo melody coming to a nice close. So we hope that we've provided you with a nice diversion to your day with Mozart's Divertimento, and I hope that you agree that it was a very fun piece. Indeed. You know, sometimes I could be accused of not liking Mozart, but I definitely think that while I don't necessarily seek out Mozart's music to listen to in a controlled setting of just like, that's all that I'm doing. Like right now in the podcast. Exactly. But I love listening to it like this as a divertimento, as background music to what I happen to be doing as the soundtrack to a soiree. Whereas I'm one of those nerds who likes to listen to it for the sake of listening to it. So thank you for listening to episode 53 of the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. Mozart's Divertimento in FK138 was performed by a Far Cry Ensemble. You can find The Coffeehouse on iTunes or Google Play. Like our Facebook page and follow our Instagram for updates. You can email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. 